The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? And thanks for coming back to one of the last episodes of 2022. Not the last episode, I'll have one more episode for you next week with Kevin Jump that I'm going to call Keep Scarification Special. But this episode, I'll be talking with Lola. Uh, we're going to talk about you know a year recap a little bit, but we're also going to cover some nice subjects. We had a couple different questions submitted on that Google form. We'll be talking about some stuff that you might find interesting. Last week, I had that uh, sort of shop recap episode with, with Evan talking about what's going on at, at Precision at our shop in New Hampshire. Uh, and now I'm going to be talking to Lola about, you know, kind of pulling it back to maybe a little bit of a wider perspective, talking about different industry things and different things that have gone on throughout the, the year. We're going to be hitting a couple different questions, too. We're going to be talking about maybe some like toxic community interaction. And you can be right and wrong in the, the same moment. So uh, does your criticism, uh, does your education, does your information actually impact people in a, in a positive way? And maybe yes, maybe no, uh, based on the way you deliver it, the manner, the forum that you deliver it in. So we'll be talking about that a little bit. Uh, and we're going to be talking about regulation. Uh, does, does regulation actually create higher quality piercing, uh, create safer piercing? Maybe up for debate, so we talk about it a little bit. Um, we will also be doing a, a live webinar on Sunday, February 5th. We talk about that a little bit more, uh, what it's about. It's going to be about jewelry sales, different things related to bringing in higher-end jewelry and, and then selling that higher-end jewelry to help grow your studio and help grow your career. We'll be talking about that and, and how you can register. But, uh, you know, if you're interested and you want to cut to the chase, go to my website, ryanpba.com. You can go to the Body Art Education by Ryan Millette Facebook page. And don't forget about all that information that I have for you at patreon.com slash ryanpba. I just published a new video all about septum piercings, showing a couple different methods, piercing it with a receiving tube, having people sit up, having people lay down, different things you can do for successful septum piercings. I've got a lot of new information planned for you uh, coming down the pipeline in 2023. I'm going to work on a video about um, forward nostril piercings. And when I when I posted a picture about some some forward nostrils I did, I had a lot of people kind of call me out and say, well, don't forget about, you know, Massimo Cortese, you know, the, the person who uh, was the first to do a forward nostril placement and, and call them mantis piercings. So uh, I certainly want to make sure that uh, Massimo gets the, the credit for that. But my personal preference is just to use anatomical names wherever possible. So I prefer to, to call them forward nostrils. I think it's a little bit more descriptive to people who aren't already aware of what mantis piercings are. So I have a video coming down the pipeline for that. That will most likely be my, my first video of 2023. Uh, but I've also had a lot of requests about uh, an eyebrow video. I've got some content recorded for that. And I've got a, a nice tool-free technique for earlobe piercings that I would like to show you. So I've got a lot of content planned for 2023 available to you at, at patreon.com slash ryanpba. And I'd love it if you'd check it out. 
But for now, I'm going to go ahead and get into this conversation with Lola. We talk about quite a bit. Uh, and I'll be back next week with that episode with Kevin. And then I'm going to take a little bit of a break heading into 2023. So thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Hello. Hello there. Hello there. All right. So we're going to record a 2022 wrap-up type episode. So, you know, say say your infos, and then we'll we'll discuss. Hello, my name is Lola Slider. No, no, no. Use your use your full voice. That is my full voice. Okay, go. You want me to start again? Nope. My name is Lola Lola Slider, and I'm a body piercer. I work at Forest Piercing in Glasgow, in Scotland. Twenty-two. It's a weird. It's a weird time because we're. We're dialed in. We know what most work days are going to be. Um, there's not as many surprises as there were in 2021. But I, I would say that I, I don't feel like I have a lot of positive things to say. I know that the year wasn't complete garbage. Yeah, it still feels like the world hasn't quite yet remembered its safe word. <laughs> See, cucumber! Um, yeah, and like, you know... We're, we're doing the best we can. <laughs> I feel like that's just like a, you know, a, a, a way to say it. We're doing the best we can. We're doing it. We're not doing the best possible, but we're doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I work as much as I am able, but not as much as possible. Like there are still plenty of days where I'm like, yes, I could take bookings. Yes, I could work x amount of hours but i'm just not going to so how how has this year felt for you has it has it felt starkly different from any other year this year has um kind of progressively gotten a little bit harder because of numerous um issues both personal and that affect the whole country um, in the UK and with I don't want to get into too much detail about my specific circumstances but it does genuinely seem like every month and sometimes not every month every week um, the government unleashes another reason that we can't have any money and um, and that the money that we do have is in fact going to be taken away which is it's demotivating, um, especially as you get towards the end of the year. Everyone wants to feel like they've accomplished something and achieved something. And looking back and just kind of having not only your savings rated, um, but the projection for next year looking even worse, it can really leave you feeling like, what have I even been doing this for? What have I been working for? You know. So thanks to, for tuning in to The Piercing Wizard to listen to for a good time, you know, wow, for, yeah. um, no, but I, I just think that it's, it's important to still say those things out loud. I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's been an amazing year. Um, it's definitely better than some other years that we've had, but I feel like there's definitely a malaise affecting the community in the UK at least. Um, and people are kind of getting to a point where it almost seems like you can work twice as hard. You can, do better you can really throw everything you can at something and you still end up 10 percent behind where you were three years ago you know and that's tough well i want to try to talk about some of the 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 things that that weren't horrible 
yeah for for 2022 because I don't want to completely bum people out. Um, I would like to say a couple of thanks, and I, I, you know, as we were recording this, it's like December 7th, something like that, and I think everybody just got their their Spotify wrapped, and, uh, you know, I also published Spotify wrapped information that nobody would give an earthly shit about, but uh, in addition to my, like, personal musical Spotify wrapped, I also got, like, a podcaster Spotify wrapped, and uh, I, I was pretty surprised by some of the numbers you know, this year I, I published, um, as we record this, I published 20 episodes and I have two more planned before the end of the year. So 22 episodes, uh, spaced out across 52 weeks. So, you know, about every other week on average, there were a couple of points where I, I took some time off just for, for mental health reasons, but I, I was pretty happy with what I put out this year. Uh, I, I want to say like, thank you to everyone who listened because it seems like the numbers have been up a lot. Uh, it seems like piercers are sharing it to their colleagues and that new listeners, whether they're piercers or, or piercing enthusiasts, um, lots of new people have been finding the, the show this year. Uh, it told me that it's been listened to across 40 different countries uh, around the world, which, um, you know, it, it's a little bit overwhelming. Uh, it makes me feel like proud of the the stuff that I put out because I put so much time into it but uh, I just want to really say that I appreciate people taking the time to listen to the show and especially some of those people where they shared it in their Spotify wrapped and it was like a, a big deal for them whether it's part of their work day or, or personal day so thank you and I want to say thank you to you because you were on probably half of the episodes yep I am a draw <laughs> So, you know, do you have any any thoughts on the podcast? Because you've been a big part of it lately. Um, I appreciate how it's developed and changed over the last... How many years have you been doing it now? Six. Six years. I mean, off least. and on. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely reckon... Because I was a listener, you know, before... Um, and I definitely appreciate how it's developed. And even the first time we spoke on the podcast, which was years before we were dating and um, one of the first long conversations we'd ever had. And, um, you know, I definitely appreciate how it's developed from being a more formal format, which I still think that you utilize when the situation calls for it and when that's appropriate. But I do enjoy um, you feeling like confident in being able to just talk a little bit more informally um so i've i've enjoyed that i like our i like our little chats i think people appreciate just hear like hearing a conversation just like sitting in on a conversation and depending on who that conversation is with sometimes they are a little bit more formal sometimes yeah. they are a little bit more casual it kind of depends on my familiarity with the guest because sometimes people come on and it's like I, I know about them professionally but we haven't really had a, a personal conversation yet so there's a little bit of a feeling out process in scenarios like that and then there are other scenarios where it's just you and me just being gross and like overly familiar with each other well I, I appreciate that though I appreciate that you try and take the time and the effort to pick up on the nuance of how the other person's feeling and reacting and recognize that the same approach isn't what everybody wants you know yeah one so okay my 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 most listened to episode of the year uh was the alicia cardenas memorial episode uh 
Mm. So it's it's difficult to talk about it and think about it still. I, I would imagine even more so to the people that were even closer to uh, Alicia in their day-to-day lives. Uh, we're, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of her her death um, in you know a, a violent act where she was taken away from her friends and loved ones and uh, it's it, I don't even really know how to like mention it but um, I just want to say again thank you to everyone who contributed to that episode thank you to everyone who listened to that episode and I hope that uh, it's it's helped people in one way or another whether it's being introduced to Alicia's legacy, uh, being reminded of Alicia's legacy, or, or being something cathartic for people uh, related to the loss. So, you know, thank you um, for, you know, listening if you if you listen to the episode. I really appreciate that it, in addition to being a collection of responses um, from individuals that knew Alicia, there was also um, input from interviews that you'd had with her previously and people that maybe didn't get a chance to um, prior got to hear her speak on some things and um, you know just feel her energy so we weren't just talking about her but also she was included in the episode I, I really enjoyed that yeah, I, I know that sometimes it's difficult to really express the memory of someone who's been lost, and sometimes it can just be like a, a vague, like, you know, oh yeah, they were a great person. But being able to, like, hear her words and, and either be, in, like, told why in, in, in her words or re- remember why she was, like, such a badass. Um, we were talking about the video, which isn't something if... if I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to release it. Uh, I'll certainly reference it, but I forget the year. Um, a handful of years ago, there was like a talk APP, and at the time, the industry was really being shaken by jewelry wait times, and that was really at the start of like the really intense jewelry wait times. Now, I think people have found a way to work around jewelry wait times, even if they're long, and I, I really want to say that I applaud the hard work put in by jewelry vendors to try to shorten those wait times whenever possible. But for this moment that I'm talking about, that's when they went from like a two week wait to like a 20 week wait within a few months. And it was like really earth shattering to the the industry. A lot of us had no idea how to manage those kinds of long-term logistics. And that just happened to be when the APP conference was happening and there was a talk APP with Alicia ripping all the jewelry vendors a new asshole, basically saying like, you know, we support you and we promote your brands and we sell your jewelry and there's this there's this huge amount of trust and like you you really need to put in some work to help support us so that we still have jewelry to sell and still have jewelry to promote. And it was just such an amazing video to watch because, well, I don't know, what, what were you just telling me a second ago? Well, I... I was fortunate enough to see the footage and um, it was just amazing. Uh, I wasn't present at the event but uh, seeing the footage you can feel the tension in the room so hard. It was just it was just amazing and I think I mean it's it's a little bit funny but in another sense it's also super serious um, that she was able to talk about those things and had enough warmth in her character to be able to say some of the really hard stuff and not just be ostracized, you know? Like, that was an incredible talent. 
and um, being able to, to manage a room full of people um, and navigate them through that difficult conversation where you can just feel the tension in that room um, and the mixture of fear and relief at the same time that the audience seemed to feel was incredible. Yeah, I, I think um, some of us have learned the hard way that you cannot <laughs> you cannot know. openly criticize some of these vendors. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> less, <laughs> less you feel their wrath and retribution. Yeah. Um, but Alicia was like a titan in the industry to the point where she was like, come and get me, motherfucker. Like, you know, if anybody could get away with talking that honestly, it was her. Yeah. And uh, going back and seeing a video like that really makes you feel... The, the void of um, yeah, Alicia's right. presence. Exactly. Because who else could do that these days? Mm -hmm. Nobody. Nope. So maybe that video will get released intentionally or accidentally uh, at, at some point. But um, if you were there in that room, uh, you remember what it was like. And going back and watching the video and, and hearing like the applause that she got at the end because she was, it's one of, you know, it's that whole cliche of like, you know, she's saying what we're all thinking. And that's just, that's what she did. She said what everybody was thinking, and she said it, like, unapologetically, and it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, I, I talked about it a little bit with Evan. Uh, you know, we, we lost Rob this year in my studio, co-worker. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't know how much to say. You know, there are going to be people that never met Rob, never heard of Rob. And, you know, like sometimes people just don't connect with someone else's grief. I, I'm just as guilty of it. Somebody loses someone important in their lives and you're like, yes, it's a tragedy, but I didn't know the person. So let's kind of move on. And I don't I don't know how much I want to beat people over the head with um, loss that they might not personally connect with. But I I still can't really work a day without thinking about him and thinking about how much I miss his, his presence like personally and and professionally he was a, a really important part of my studio and um, you know he wasn't the only person who was lost obviously he wasn't the only person in in the industry who was lost this year other studios other families other communities had loss whether it was expected or unexpected you know natural or or other than causes and um you know i, I don't want to uh i don't want to shine over anyone else's loss and you know i, I want to say that you know i'm sure that there are people out there who feel loss and you know, I, I certainly feel for you but i just can't get rob out of my head some days and i'm reminded of him in the strangest ways and i don't i don't think that's going to go away but um it's not like I can do like a year-end recap without talking about one of the the biggest events that happened mm. in, in my life in this past year. Mm. Um, I want to say thank you to you for being there for me. Me? Yeah, you, Lola Slider, for being there for me. Um, and, you know, being very supportive emotionally and uh, just letting me know that life goes on and, you know, hopefully things will, will be okay one day. But, you know, I'm sure that there are lots of other people who connect to their own grief and loss, too. And, uh, you know, don't don't forget about it. Don't shine over it. And, you know, if you know people in your life that are in pain, um, and even if even if you don't know that they're obviously in pain, you know, check in on the people you haven't heard from in a while. And it's not like you have to 
try to drag their emotions out of them, but um, don't miss an opportunity to tell your friends that you care about them and to, to check in on, on the people that are important to you because sooner or later they're not going to be there and um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I want to give some Patreon thanks to... Uh, what a transition. <laughs> um, I want to give some Patreon thanks. Uh, all the supporters at, at patreon.com slash RyanPBA. I put out around 15 videos this year. You know, narrated, piercing, whatever, bullshit, and ask me anything sessions and, and all that stuff. And um, I, didn't, I didn't think that it would be possible for me to add on a whole other project at the start of the year and here I am at the end of the year and I put I don't even know how many hours into all those videos and everything and the thing that really keeps me going uh, is the the interactions that I'm that I've been having with uh, with all those people in in the community you know people people come and go people might sign up for a month or three and then they kind of you know move on to other things but uh, I really do appreciate the people who ask questions and engage with the content in like a really positive way because I feel like you don't really get the opportunity to do that on social media because everybody just wants to be the loudest voice, everybody wants to be the smartest opinion and not a lot of people are willing to be vulnerable and ask questions because they're scared that they're going to get beat over the head by somebody who might know 5% more information. So. Um, is this a good point to, to bring up the question that we got? Yeah, um, I, I agree with what you were saying about the, the Patreon community in that there is a sense that if you're there, you're there to learn. Everyone's yeah. there to learn. You know, there's, there's no illusions that it's for any other reason. So there is an objectiveness there in how people can communicate without needing to feel like is this a silly question or something like that? You're you're there to get the most out of it. You're there to provide that information, um, or uh, provide resources to access that information wherever you possibly can. So, um, you know, it's the place to ask, particularly if you don't want to feel exposed and and vulnerable. Asking that stuff in public spaces or even very large forums. Yeah, because like, think of how many times. You or I have a private conversation between us and we're like, oh, you know, I, I saw this question or I saw this thread on Facebook, on mm -hmm. social media or whatever. And you're like, no fucking way am I going to dive into that comment section because mm -hmm. it's, it's almost impossible to search out information or to give information because everybody wants to debate everything. And it's not even that they necessarily disagree with the question or the answer that they see. It's that they want to make sure that like they can look like the smartest person. And I know that I'm not the smartest person, but sometimes like I might have a good perspective to share. You certainly have a good perspective to share. And we feel that, you know, even as people with a lot of experience or whatever, uh, you or you I might have, that it it's gonna kind of fall on deaf ears in a way or it will be drowned out by 20 other people being like, oh, but I heard one time that whatever, and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, yes, okay, that doesn't disqualify the person's question and that doesn't disqualify this other person's answer. It's just not, it's not a pleasant environment to actually learn and share and have conversations. So being able to remove that like general social cloud 
and kind of boil it down to these people are here to actually have discussions, to ask questions and to answer questions. Like I love answering questions on Patreon because I feel like it won't immediately turn into an argument or, you know, 10 other people watering down information by just mm-hmm. kind of like sharing hearsay or, or whatever. So, um, I posted a, I posted a form, um, I, in, you know, I guess I'd say last week's podcast episode that I published today. Uh, I, I posted a, a Google form, um, asking for some ideas for questions and, and content for, you know, 2023 new stuff that I'll be working on. And we got one question that kind of stood out to us and especially I, th- I think it resonated with you. So I want to read the question and then you can kind of share your thoughts on it. And we can discuss a little bit. Yeah. So it says, uh, and, and this, keep in mind that this is me like soliciting um, ideas for new Patreon content. And it says, aside from educational videos regarding specific piercings, I love to see videos about how to deal with the increasingly toxic community in the piercing industry. How to handle peer pressure, handle imposter syndrome, and keep your job fun and focused on what matters most. More and more, piercers are attacking each other, looking for insta-fame instead of making their clients happy. So, what, and like you, you even kind of had like a different perspective of what this question actually is than, than me. So, why did it resonate with you and what are your thoughts when you, when you get a question like that? Well, there's a lot of different facets to that question, so I can only really answer a couple of parts of it. Um, but. One of the things that struck me was the comment of the increasingly toxic community. I don't think the the community is increasingly toxic. I think it's probably toxic in about the same amount that it was. That toxicity just manifests in different places because the community isn't a a living, breathing thing. It's made up of individuals and some individuals are kind of jerks. And um, you know, that behavior is gonna come out and it's gonna escape like steam throughout one way or another way. Um, so I think sometimes we're being a little unrealistic with with ourselves and with each other. If our hope is that the community will one day just be pleasant, <laughs> I think that that's shooting for the moon a little bit. But um, another part of the question that did resonate with me was about piercers attacking each other. And um, that's definitely something that I have very strong feelings about. Um, and I actually made a, a video kind of, you know, just a silly jokey video on, on my Instagram, kind of trying to poke fun at that a little bit just the other week. And it's really about how piercers um, love to critique work online, um, particularly not involving the piercer that, that did the work, basically. Um, you know, we'd all like to write our own reviews and critique our own work, but critiquing somebody else's, it's often more salacious and more fun and more click worthy and it's the best way that I can describe it is being right isn't everything I know that to a lot of us it feels like oh I'm right and I just can't keep it to myself and I just have to share how right I am but it's not just it's not just about being right being right isn't everything and sometimes being right's overrated and I think that being right um, is is very dependent on context And when you're seeing a picture or a clip or a piece of work completely removed from context, um, I think that that casts a little bit of cloud over just how right you are in commenting on it. So to give you an example, and this is a made up example, not based on something that I've seen. 
But say you take a look at a piece of work and the work isn't very good and you start commenting on it saying, oh, this is terrible, this person did a lousy job, you should absolutely go back and give them hell for this. And you're really kind of inciting um, client indignation, um, which isn't at all an unusual thing. I think it's probably something that I've seen and that you've seen. Do you have any context about the situation beyond what you're looking at? Because when I see a piece of work that's not brilliant, um, without any other context, it makes me think about the surrounding circumstances. Perfect example, just the other day I was talking a little bit about how 10 years ago, 15 years ago in Scotland, there wasn't a single studio that you could have bought a piece of internally threaded jewellery. I think about 10 years ago was when that really started. And there are dozens of countries around the world where there isn't internally threaded jewellery. Or maybe there is in the country, but it's a three to four hour drive away. How accessible is that to, to a regular working class person, you know? So then it begs the question, do those people just not get piercings? Or do they have them done in less than ideal situations? And I'm not advocating for either or, I'm just saying that there are different, there are different facets to that conversation than me just looking at a piece of work and encouraging somebody, actually encouraging them to, to go back to the person that did it and, and be critical to them or attack them. And it also casts my mind back to a time when uh, very early in my career we switched over from using uh, nostril screws to librette studs because nostril screws, I would say about one in three of them, they just get pulled out in your sleep and the piercing closes. So we stopped using them and we started using librette studs. At this point, I feel pretty confident in saying there wasn't a single other studio in Scotland using librette studs for nostrils at that time. So there was more than one occasion and one occasion where we actually got a specific bad review saying you've used the wrong jewellery in me. Other piercers have criticised this and they've told me that you've done a bad job and that you've used the wrong jewellery in me. In that situation, I feel like what I did was right and valid. But the piercers looking at it, they had never seen that before. So even though we disagree, their opinion is different from my opinion. Only in that situation, we're not talking to each other, we're talking through a client. And now I'm in a situation where I have to defend myself to a client over a piercer's comments that I don't know. And that happened to me two weeks ago. Over 10 years later, I was in the same situation, not regarding nostril screws and, and librettes, but I was in the same situation where a client said to me, well, someone else I've spoke to said this. And it immediately creates a situation where you feel like you have to defend yourself. And for me, in those situations, I don't do it anymore. I just say, well, I'm sorry, it's not possible for me to have a conversation with a piercer who's not present, but I can tell you that this is why I think this. And that's really the extent of what I can do. Because that, that sense of like, let's goad reactions out of each other. Let's poke someone with a stick and then poke someone else. That, that's still alive and well. And I think that that trend on social media encourages that behavior. So for me, it doesn't matter that you're right. What, it, what matters is what you're encouraging. And, and that's how I feel about it. Well, you know, you, you've been piercing for a while. I've been piercing for a while. And um, what we're seeing now in like the, the Instagram, Facebook, TikTok world, uh, we were seeing, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, and sometimes you still see it uh, manifest itself in those those um, 
those Facebook posts where it's just like, I took this jewelry out of a client. Can you believe what this studio pierced them with? I would never do this. And it's like, I, I get it. I've made those same posts myself in the past because like that's kind of like that hungry piercer. I'm trying to get new clients. I'm trying to show them that I'm progressive and I'm trying to do some new thing. But like, you, you gotta you gotta look at it as like this this long term career. Like when I started, I didn't really know what I was doing. I wouldn't say that I was like the world's most dangerous piercer, but I certainly wasn't as as qualified or as knowledgeable as I am now. Um, and like I was really just trying to get new customers and be like, hey, I've got something nicer than this other shop that I'm competing with. Please come to me. And I think now we kind of see a version like that when it's like you know, TikTok, when you're you're making fun of somebody else's piercing, you're making fun of somebody else's jewelry, you're making fun of somebody else's style, and you might be coming from a place of like, I want to educate the, the general public, I want to save the general public from what I see as this bad work, or I want to get people into my studio to make more money, and I want to kind of like punch down at maybe this other studio that isn't at a place yet where they can afford you know, certain kinds of jewelry, or maybe they don't necessarily know about its 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 value yet. I, I see both sides of it where it's like, sure, there might be some education there, but I think the way you're doing it is is maybe not productive because you're you're tearing down another body piercer. And all you're doing is you're you're making people question uh, professional body piercers and I think it's I think it's bad for the industry overall and I think it's especially bad for those piercers who just haven't gotten to an organic place in their own career yet people people progress over time so if somebody's one year into a career and they're making mistakes maybe reach out to them privately but when you like beat them over the head and punch down publicly you're not doing them a service. You're not trying to like pull them into your circle, pull them into your tent, pull them into your camp. You're holding them at arm's length and you're saying like, you're not good enough to sit with us. You're not cool enough to, to learn our information or join our club or join our circle or something like that. And I, I really don't see the benefit to it at all. You might feel like you're gonna like, you're gonna look like the coolest, smartest piercer, but you kind of just look like a prick sometimes when you share information in that way. Well, for me, it kind of comes back to that thing of, of, you know, just because you're right, how you're right, I, I just feel like the context is still very important. And when I think about the first interactions that I had in forum culture, it was negative. And I think for most piercers, you know, when you go in there like a little baby deer, mm -hmm. it, it ultimately is negative. And I, I don't know if that's entirely avoidable. But we're talking about humiliation in front of a couple of hundred people. Yeah. And I just remember that being devastating. So I would I would just suggest, you know, be right. Like, by all means, be right. But think about what it means to put someone in a position that you were in, maybe being attacked in an enclosed space by a few hundred people, to it being public in front of a hundred thousand people. Mm -hmm. And I just, I couldn't do that to someone, whether or not I'm right, you know? Like, I mean, being right's nice and everything, but I just... I feel like it's bigger than that sometimes. Yeah, uh, I, I I really remember uh, this one interaction I had with a with a client, and it was for the exact same kind of thing that you mentioned. They came in with uh, a low quality nostril screw. They didn't like it. They were having problems. The piercing was 
you know, only a couple of weeks old at that point. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe let's upgrade your jewelry. We'll, we'll put in this, this flat back piece. It's threadless jewelry. It'll be a lot more stable. It's a lot higher quality material. You'll have an easier time as you finish healing this piercing. I took out their jewelry and it was one of those things where it looked all grody when it came out. So uh, that's, you know, I took a picture, I did a side by side and I, I posted it online and I was like, yeah, hey, I'm not this piercer, I'm this piercer. And oh yeah, I'm so cool and you should come to me. And then the client reached out to me and they were like, I'm mortified that you did that. I don't want the other shop to feel like I've insulted right. them. They were kind to me. They were probably doing the best that they were capable of. And now it looks like, you know, I'm trashing them and I'm slamming them over the head because yeah. it was this side by side and it was like, you know, the client's face was partially visible in it, you know, because I was showing a nostril piercing. And I tried to think of, of myself in that scenario, like how would I have felt if somebody had done that to me when I didn't necessarily know better? You know, there were, there were points where I was doing stuff that I wouldn't be proud of today and like, how would I have reacted if somebody had, had posted some sort of thing where they were just bashing me over the head and I would have been like, well, do I even, do I even want to do this? Do I even want to be like them, the air quotes, you know, better piercer. And now I try to look at it in a different way where sure I will have those interactions with the client where it's like, Hey, this thing isn't ideal. I would like to do this thing for you. That's a little bit better, but I've completely moved on from the concept that like pushing that information out there in the public is a positive thing. One-on-one uh, -on -one with a client, the people who choose to walk through my door or the people who choose to email me and reach out, absolutely, I'll talk to them about all kinds of things. If somebody might say, hey, I'm having this problem, I might say, well, you know, I would prefer to not install X jewelry because I find that, you know, Y jewelry uh, tends to give people better healing results. So maybe you shouldn't uh, be doing that for aftercare. Maybe you should be trying this for aftercare. And I'll talk to the individual about that, but I'm not going to be like blasting that out there online. What I think would be more beneficial online would be to maybe like take the time to, to write an article or engage with an organization or maybe just like post something positive in a forum like, hey, I've had great results with this jewelry, uh, but I, I really don't want to like beat other piercers over the head anymore. If clients choose to walk through their door instead of my door, it might have just been like flipping a coin or they might have like a good review online or something like that. And it's not that it's the client's fault. It's not like, you know, they were they were choosing to go to this other store to get this like this thing. They, they don't really know the difference sometimes. I'd like to share positive information, but I don't want to turn it into like a negativity of like, they're not as good as me. So screw those people. Well, I I agree with you about the, um, you know, the the kind of naming and shaming aspect. I've, I've definitely made posts before where I've highlighted unsafe jewelry and poor quality jewelry, but I make a habit of wherever possible, not even asking my clients where they got pierced because it's not relevant. Sure. It's not relevant to what I'm trying to say or what I'm trying to do. It's not even about that. It's about the healing properties of using a better quality material with a better finish. And, and I can demonstrate that without ever even knowing. There's, there are certain situations where if something seems a little bit off to me, I might ask because I'm genuinely curious. Like for example, I don't know if this has ever happened to you where say something has come in from a studio that you know to be really, really good, but maybe with jewelry that you don't think that they use. Mm -hmm. And I've been in a couple of those situations before where, where clients have either been mistaken or confused about 
what what they're wearing or or that kind of thing. I've had clients come into my studio and tell me I install jewelry that I don't even sell. Right. You know, like I've been in that situation where someone's like, "Oh yeah, I got it from you," and I'm like, "I've never sold this brand of jewelry or this style of jewelry in my life." So there's also that element of we don't always get the right information. So we should be cautious with what it is that we're putting out there as as our reactions to that information, if there's any, because there have been plenty of situations where things just maybe don't add up or don't make sense. And I'm just left thinking like, well, what matters right now in this moment? What yeah. are we doing right now? Right. That's really all that matters. Yeah. You know, th- there can be a lot of different circumstances too. like not believe it or not, not all clients are honest when you ask them questions about where did you get this? Where did you get this jewelry? Sometimes maybe like they are part, you know, they're a contributing factor on why their piercing isn't doing great. Maybe they were pierced pretty good by by a piercer and then they changed their jewelry or they did some, you know, internet aftercare or something like that. I've I've had situations where it's, oh no, I haven't changed this at all. And it's absolutely not what they were pierced with. You know, those situations do happen. So that's why I'm saying as well, without context, without any of that, just seeing something and then you know going off on it you're taking quite a big leap at what it is that you're looking at and for me it, it doesn't even matter what matters is what we're doing on the day the service that I'm providing and the help that I can offer all of that is pretty much going to be the same yeah i would like to kind of think of it as more of a high road approach like rather than saying this is what that shop did wrong this is what's wrong with your piercing this is what's just be like just start fresh and be like, hey, this is an opportunity for you to get some some new jewelry. Uh, let's just you know, look at what's available, what will fit your piercing in its current state, what will be the healthiest, best option for you, and try not to like point out all the things that are wrong with it. So um, that, that brings me up to one more question that I, that I want to talk about that we had submitted. And we got quite a few questions. Uh, I'm sure we'll have quite a bit more coming in through this, this form. And you know, if you're out there listening and uh, you have an idea for some content, whether it's like something to talk about on a podcast or in a Patreon video or a class or something like that, you can go to ryanpba.com. Uh, you can go to the Body Art Education by uh, Ryan Willett uh, Facebook page my Patreon page, or you can just look in the, um, the description for episode 224 with Evan Quino. You can get the link to the Google form. You can submit uh, an anonymous suggestion there. But I have one more that I want to talk about now, and it says, um, the, the subject suggestion is, having to deal with piercing in an unregulated state, having to constantly fix piercings done at infamous bad shops in the area. And I just want to say to that person, my own little question is, like what makes you think that just because an area is regulated that you're not going to have to do that on a on a daily basis like yeah even on even in regulated areas like one of the most regulated areas that i know of is the state of oregon in the united states like they require a lot of training they require a lot of experience it's kind of a tiered license you have to be able to show all this different training to be able to like basically unlock the ability to to perform genital piercings surface piercings all those things and even in that very uh, heavily regulated state i'm sure that shops are constantly dealing with uh, poor quality work uh, fixing things done in other studios because like no matter what your regulations are nobody can regulate skill uh, and, and ability like you can you can certainly regulate like you know time in the industry or continuing education hours and hopefully those things will uh, you know give a layer 
of, mm. of quality. But I think we all know one of those local piercers who's like, I've been doing this for 30 years and they're terrible, you know? Uh, and it's because there, there's no way to regulate skill. That's just like when people talk about the concept of like tiered membership, you know? When uh, there were only a, a handful of APP members and then there was like an explosion of membership, obviously those like handful of uh, earlier members were like, well, the, these new members aren't as good as me, so now there needs to be an extra special platinum elite tier, you know, behind the velvet rope tier of membership. And I hear that come up with organizations everywhere. I've heard rumblings about it within the, the UK APP community, within like, you know, European, Central, South American piercing communities and all over. And, you know, if, if that's your motivation, uh, you know, maybe maybe rethink about how organizations actually benefit the community as a whole. Put good quality information out there and hopefully piercers will kind of like take to it and hopefully, you know, rising tide raises all ships kind of a thing. What, what are the regulations here in this area? I'm regulated up my asshole. Okay. Like... The, for me, the thought of li living somewhere unregulated is like a fantasy because living somewhere as heavily regulated as I am in Glasgow where the licensing conditions are very strict and very particular down to some very specific details, I can tell you there's still a lot of work that I see on a regular basis that's not been performed safely or with anything that's appropriate. Um, and as Ryan says, you can create disgusting food in a very hygienic kitchen you know so there's there's nothing to say that uh that the work that you're doing has to be any good just because you've passed a health inspection and you have a license um so i i understand that frustration and i hear that frustration but i do question whether regulation always has the impact um that people crave it to and i think it's a little bit of a what do you call it? I don't know if it's like like an oxymoron or, or, to, or a juxtaposition or things that, that shouldn't go together when piercers crave regulation because I think that we are outliers and we, we almost pride ourselves on not quite fitting in in a, in a lot of different ways and we like to create our own little worlds for ourselves. And then sometimes when things get hard, we default to, I need more rules and more structure and more regulation. And I'm not saying that that's always a bad thing. I'm just saying that I think it's funny that, that there's that push and pull there all the time of you can't tell me what to do, but hey, you should be telling them what to do. You know, there's, there's always that ever present. And I'm, I'm definitely at a point now where I, I don't necessarily support additional regulation in a way that I used to. But then again, this is coming from someone who lives somewhere where my, my license specifically says things like, you must use a, a single sterile disposable clamp with every tongue piercing. You must put couch roll down on your bed for every client. You know, those things would be uh, up to the piercer in, in a lot of places. So things like freehand tongue piercing would technically be a violation of my license for some reason. Um, you know, and, and I put, put couch roll down anyway, but we were actually just talking about this the other day, whether or not that's beneficial in all situations or whether it serves a purpose or just creates more waste. Even those tiny details are regulated where I live. So um, I just want to trade lives with you if you live somewhere unregulated. 
Well, you also have to think about who the regulators are and do they even know anything at all about the industry they're trying to regulate. Yep. I can tell you from my personal experience, like I'm, I'm on an advisory board for the state of New Hampshire's health department. I, I'm part of um, an advisory board that governs what body art studios can and cannot do in, in my state. And I'll tell you that like the, the people, the administrators for the health department are all incredibly well-intentioned people. None of them are malicious. None of them hate body piercers, hate tattooers. Uh, they're just generally there to try to like administer uh, you know, laws and rules and, and regulations, but they know nothing about the industry. And even someone like myself on the advisory board, the other people on the advisory board, like, you know, we are seen as uh, the industry resources, the industry experts where we can give our opinion. But it's at a point where, like, we would have to, like, sit them down and give them basically an apprenticeship for them to even understand a lot of the issues that they themselves are regulating. So, like, you can regulate something static, health and safety. You can say, like, okay, if you're going to have an autoclave, this is how it needs to be tested, and then this is how you need to document that testing. That is static. What you can't say is, well, okay, here's the exact size of piece of jewelry you have to use for a, a navel piercing. Here's the exact brand name. Uh, sometimes it can get even like overly complicated if you try to tell them the material because they're not going to understand metallurgy. There are plenty of states where they think they have like high quality killer regulations, and they're just saying like, oh yeah, you have to use 316L steel. Then there's going to be a piercer out there that's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I would never use that or put that in somebody's body, you know? So it's like, at certain points, you have to kind of like look at yourself as, I meet or exceed safety standards. Whatever those safety standards are, whether they are high or low, meet or exceed them. Uh, try to focus on health and safety. And then like all the other stuff, like what, what makes a good body piercer? You just kind of have to like determine that for yourself in your studio through your business practices, and in a way, you have to kind of like stop focusing on on the shop down the street, even if it is like as this question states the infamous bad shop in the area. We're all going to have one of those in a regulated or an unregulated state. It's been the bane of my existence for a long time. It's been the bane of your existence for a long time. Yeah. There's always going to be a studio who wants to get people in and out a little bit quicker, who wants to shave a couple of bucks off of their bottom line, um, who you know maybe will hire people that aren't necessarily qualified for the job. They might be able to pass any sort of like regulated minimum requirements for, for licensing, if there even is a license in your area. But uh, I, I found my career was a lot easier to manage and was really a lot more successful when I stopped fixating on what the shop down the street is doing. If the shop down the street wants to do what I would consider a not great job, let them. That's great. Let their customers kind of gravitate towards my store where hopefully, you know what, I would like to think that I'm maybe doing a little bit of a better job. But I don't necessarily like care about what they're doing there because I can't change it. Like no amount of like righteous indignation will make the shop down the street be like, oh man, Precision doesn't like the way we're piercing. We better ship up and, and you know, do exactly what they're doing. Like, it's, it's never going to happen. So if you're constantly, like, like, staying up at night thinking about what the shop down the street is doing, you're wasting a lot of your time and energy on someone else's work and, and not really focusing it into your own. A big turning point for me, career-wise, I think, was just accepting that it, make, it does no good to demonize, as you call it, the shop down the street because... 
the shop down the street exists because there are clients that choose that shop. And it's not that they're all uneducated and it's not that they all just don't know there's something better. The fact is a lot of people will choose cheap services and they make that choice knowing there's other things available and they make that choice when there's other things available. And that doesn't mean that they're, they're dumb or that they're even all gonna have a bad experience. It just means that's what they've chosen to do with their money. And letting go of that was, was an important step for me in realizing I'm doing what I'm doing, they're doing what they're doing, and I have customers that bounce back and forth and that's fine. I'm completely okay with it if someone wants to come and see me for something, go somewhere else for something, come back and see me for something, because it's just the work that's in front of me in that moment. Um, so I try not to think of it in terms of, you know, there's this shop down the street with red lights coming out the windows and horns. They're just there operating a business and they're operating a business because they have a client base. So they're going to focus on theirs and I'm going to focus on mine. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to kind of be the, the, the positive influence, uh, if you want to be a, a good role model, you put out good work. And after a while, clients are going to respond to that good work. Yeah. Word of mouth is going to travel regardless of what kind of advertisement you do. If you do a good piercing on somebody, they're going to tell their friends, they're going to tell their family members, they're going to tell their community like, hey, this place had, did a good piercing. And then some of those other clients who don't know the difference between shop A, shop B, shop C, they're going to say, okay, I should go to this studio because I've heard that they're really good. After a while, those other shops, the shop down the street, they're going to be forced to kind of step up to your level. Like, don't pay attention. Don't try to, like, punch down. Don't try to sink down to their level, grab their clients, and drag them towards you. That's not a, a beneficial way to use your energy. Just focus on the things that you can change be a positive uh, source of energy, be a positive influence. Just put out the best work you can and let people respond to it. Um, try not to like stress yourself out, especially in the whole like unregulated area. I, I'm gonna guarantee that having like regulations up the ass are really not going to be the solution to that problem. No. Just put out good work. Put people, out good work and people, people will respond learn, to it. People just learn how to, you know, manipulate the system when there's, you know, the more, the more regulations that you have, I mean, there are businesses that I know that are open that I can't believe passed the same inspection that I passed, yeah. given some of the challenges. So uh, I think in, in a way, treasure being unregulated and have the freedom to create the exact studio that you want to create in the exact vision that you have for it, that sounds like, a, I know it doesn't feel like a blessing, but to me that just sounds like a blessing based on, based on my situation. Also, regulation can really be a double-edged sword. Uh, you know, if you're trying to, to say like, well, we need regulation to tell these shops that they can't do what they want to do and they have to do what I want to do. What if, and hear me out, this might sound completely insane to some people, what if there's a shop out there that's operating at even a higher level than your studio? And what if their regulations are now what you have to meet and now you can't do what you want to do? Or the flip side of that coin, what if you're doing things that you know are safe and then those regulations come in and they say like, oh, you're not allowed to do these things because we just don't like it. You're not allowed to do surface piercings. You're not allowed to do genital piercings. You're not allowed to do whatever. Uh, so regulation can really be a double-edged sword. And like, If it's really that important to you, maybe try to get involved with your regulators. Try to get involved with your local health authority. Try to be a positive source of information. Um, but regulation a lot of times won't be the, the best solution to a, an issue. A lot. I, I don't know if it's the same with the committee that you're on, 
but in a lot of local authority, local government areas, people really like having someone else to do the work for them. So if you're able to make yourself available or even just make your licensing authority or, or you know, if you're living in an area that's unlicensed, if there's any health and safety authority, if you're able to make yourself um, visible to them and say, hey, listen, I, if you're ever needing any input on this, if you're ever needing any opinions, this is something I'm really interested in, I'd love to get involved. Because I guarantee if something comes up and there's someone they can dump some work on, it's it's gonna be you, you know? Having that expert there that already exists to say, hey, somebody actually reached out to me about this, can I ask you some questions? Um, a, a lot of people, I think, operate that way. They just wanna choose the simplest path um, to, to make their workload as easy as possible. So if there's a way for you to stick your hand up and say, if anything comes your way related to this, I'd love to help out, totally harmless in doing that. It's kind of like a path of least resistance in a way, yeah. because like bureaucrats and administrators, like they don't want to have to like search forever just to figure out where to find information no. a, about a licensed field. So if they say like, oh, you know, we have contact with, with this licensed individual, with this professional individual, uh, they offered to help with sort of, you know, whatever, you know, build those relationships. If you have an inspector, talk to the inspector in a positive way, you know, don't like demonize them. If you have a health department and you think they're not doing a great job, maybe share some information to them or talk to them or just kind of put yourself out there to say, hey, if you ever have a question, if you ever want some perspective on the industry, if you would ever like to come into our studio and see like, you know, what, is a, what does an autoclave look like? You know, what is internally threaded jewelry or whatever other safety issues you find important to you, reach out to your, your health authority and, and talk to them and then maybe you'll become uh, the resource where you might be able to give positive input for regulations. So I, I kind of want to like wind things down a little bit. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about for 2022 or do you want to maybe look forward a little bit to 2023? Mm, I don't really like either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Neither has been great for me. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm already starting to get contacts for uh, 2023 <laughs> obligations that I'm really not ready to take on just yet, you know, teaching at conferences and things like that. Uh, I'll be there, you know, I know I can, I can, I know I can put the work in, but I'm just, you know, give me at least till January 1st before I have to start thinking about 2023. But one thing that I did want to put out there for people is you and I will be offering uh, our first webinar of the year, our first private webinar of the year will be on Sunday, February 5th of 2023. Uh, we went back and forth a little bit on what the subjects were going to be. But I think one of the most helpful things right now, especially with kind of like general economic turmoil throughout the world, is really just talking about uh, jewelry, um, how to bring in jewelry, how to sell jewelry, and how to make a positive impact on your studio through your uh, your sales. So what what's the part of it that you're going to be talking about? So I'm going to be instructing how to transition away from externally threaded jewelry. And as Ryan says, at the moment, um, and, and not just in the UK, but in countries around the world um, where there's economic downturn, the timing really couldn't seem worse. And one of the things that compelled me to, to make this class was that most of the rhetoric around transitioning away from externally threaded jewellery focuses on, hey, stop being poor. And I find that um, Offensive, offensive <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. It's offensive to me and I'm, I don't want to make out like I'm 
living at the gates of hell, though sometimes it can it can feel like it. There are much worse places to live and to operate a business than where I'm living. Hell I mean, would be warm. Yes, that's true. Um, and uh, and even with all of the difficulties that I've faced, it's nothing compared to people in other areas in other countries. Um, and I just always feel that that narrative of just work hard and stop being poor um, is incredibly unhelpful. It's incredibly offensive. It overlooks massive economic factors that have no that, that we have no control over as as members of the piercing community. As much as we like to to think that we can change the world and control the world, there there are things that affect us differently. Um, so I, I wrote this class to talk about some of those different issues, some of those different factors, how to combat them, how to keep pushing forward when it feels like you are walking uphill, carrying your studio on your back, basically. Um, and, and that's really what the class is about. Um, and at no point do I tell you to just stop being poor. Um, so hopefully it'll be helpful to some people that are wanting to make that transition but are, are struggling to see how they can do that and why they should do that at this point in time. I really liked the information you gave because it wasn't just like a, a TED talk kind of format where you're you're talking about hypotheticals like you're talking about how to actually do it you're talking about budgeting you're talking about responsible levels of inventory to bring in you're talking about how you have the conversation with clients about transitioning into like okay, we carried that stuff last month, but we're carrying this stuff now. And how do you have a positive conversation with your client without the, without eroding their confidence in you as a professional? Exactly. So it was a really smart, really well laid out class. And I think it can be really beneficial to people because sometimes when piercers have the jewelry that they just kind of like they're stuck with, whether it's you know somebody else buying the jewelry or they're buying the, the very best that they can possibly afford, it's really intimidating thinking about that next jump up and sometimes people might not know to how to actually do it even if they have a little bit of like savings or budget where it might be possible on one level they might be intimidated about taking that first step and i think your information really helps to give them the confidence they'll need i hope so and i hope just the acknowledgement of our differences can be comforting to some people because there have been so many times that i've kind of witnessed that defensiveness that piercers of a certain demographic portray when you say you know oh, I, I couldn't do what you did and it's like well all I did was work hard you know I, I got where I am just by working hard but there is actually more to it than working hard even if we consider something as simple as access to capital you know pretend that we could all go out tomorrow and take out a loan to start our businesses what would that loan access look like for different demographics different age groups different sexes all of that stuff has an impact. So I think just pretending that it's just hard work, even though that's a massive part of it, which we are gonna talk a lot about in the class as well as the actual work that you're gonna to have to do. Um, I think highlighting some of the, the other practical ways that you can be successful in that implementation is hopefully gonna give people the boost that they need to do it. Yeah, it, it makes it a lot more, um internationally accessible to whether it's piercers in the UK piercers in the US in Canada like there are so many piercers out there who just feel intimidated to 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 feel like they're part 
of like this this community you know like the the piercers that they want to kind of like grow into sometimes they're intimidated to take those first steps or to even just like allow themselves to feel like they're already part of that community um i've seen classes about like how to bring in fancier jewelry and like i think one of the most offensive uh, sentences i've ever heard in a class was oh yeah the jewelry just sells itself and it's like no it, go and get a coffee shall yeah I? <laughs> it really it really doesn't it, it 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 takes work it takes planning uh and you know the more information you have the better plan you can put together so i i'm really excited to see your your half of the class can i tell you one of the most offensive things i heard in a class yes i'm not going to say who this was but in the very unlikely event that they're listening i mean come on this is it's pretty out of order um somebody asked the question uh how do you utilize limited space whilst bringing in high quality stock if you can't afford things like big fancy display cabinets and the answer was if you can't afford big fancy display cabinets you shouldn't be investing in higher quality stock ouch yep I, my jaw hit the floor i still have just regular old cases that you can buy on like a, a retail website and they're not like fancy custom built whatever kind of case like hey yeah i i've seen some amazing cases and it's like yeah more power to you and like yeah i i could probably like incorporate that into a, a budget but like come on really like <laughs> anyway so uh my half of it like i i don't want this class to to push people away if they've already brought in internally thread threadless gold precious metal whatever jewelry like i don't want them to be like oh yeah this class is beneath me because like the next step of that that i think a lot of piercers struggle with even years after they brought the jewelry in is how do i sell this jewelry like i know so many piercers who have the world's best brands the world's best jewelry and they're still all day long piercing people with like a plain ball uh, a plain barbell, a plain ring, and they're like, yeah, you know, I would love to sell this thing, but, um, you know, I just don't think that customers in my town are, are capable of it or are, are interested in it. And I want to say that really a lot of it is just like the way you approach uh, sales. And if you're approaching it as like a pressure type scenario of like, I bought this jewelry and I better, I better sell this jewelry, sometimes you're pushing jewelry onto people and that might put a sour taste in their mouth you know sometimes you might be able to to close that sale for higher ticket jewelry but then the person might have buyer's remorse and they might say like oh man i really wish i hadn't bought this jewelry for 200 bucks when you know maybe i could have gotten something for for 80. so how do you respect clients um, while also trying to promote positive sales and, and positive sales increases and I have a class that I call ethical sales strategies and you know that's that's the approach that I go with in my studio where I try to have a little bit of everything for everyone for every budget based on a minimum safety standard you know based on those those minimums of okay everything that I use in my studio is going to be internal thread or, or threadless everything is going to be something that would be you know APP verifiable for material blah 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 you know those minimum safety standards aside I want to have jewelry for people that say like I have a very tight budget I have a very loose budget I have no budget at all you know sky's the limit for it how do you sell jewelry and how do you have like an ethical sales approach to respect both sides of that coin um, the way that you can approach it uh, through through honesty through transparency asking respect respectful questions giving respectful answers and just realizing that like 
if you don't take care of your clients, they're not going to come back. So sure, you might be able to, to sell a client that one fancy thing, but that might be the last time you see them. Then they might just go down the street to the shop that they know will be a little bit cheaper. Uh, I want them to come back. And even if they're not spending uh, a, a ton of money on every visit, they're going to come back uh, over and over again because I'm respecting them, I'm respecting their wallets, and I'm respecting their bodies. So ethical sales strategy is, is the way that I like to present that information. I think an interesting perspective on that as well, just from someone that doesn't live in the US, is understanding the nuance of how tipping affects what people buy and, and how you sell and that potential incentive there that you might actually get more money. A lot of piercers outside of the US, I mean, pretty much in every other country on the world, I don't think there is the same prevalent tipping culture. So does that have an effect on how people sell and what their strategies are? Which I think, which for me was really interesting because that's not something that makes any difference in, in my day, you know, because it doesn't exist here. Right. So I think that that's another thing that's really interesting for you to teach the class because you, you work in that environment. Yeah, you know, the way that I look at tips is I would never factor that into my plans for my personal income or for the way that I compensate my staff. Uh, like in the U.S., we, you know, we do get tips. We are fortunate enough to get tips. Uh, most other countries in the world, tipping is just is not a thing for a body piercer. Or if it is, maybe you're going to get five bucks or something or like that. Or two pounds. Right. The, the, <laughs> the body piercers that get hundred dollar tips or whatever, that is very specific to uh, America. Yeah. Like the United States of America, it can be commonplace. And when studios uh, kind of roll that into their compensation where they're like, oh, well, I can I can pay you practically nothing hourly because I know that the, the clients will be compensating you through these tips and that will be kind of like this supplemental income. Like that can be a whole conversation that we can kind of, you know, go down like a, a long, dark uh, hole on. But when it comes to ethical sales strategies, I don't want there to be a, a desperation behind it. I don't want it to be like, man, I better close like a really high ticket sale today or, you know, I'm not going to be making any money personally. So I, I will be talking about a lot of different factors that go into it. But the real big thing that I always like to drive home is like, you have to respect your clients and you have to respect the money they're spending. Otherwise, they're going to choose to spend their money somewhere else. So I've got a whole class that's worked really good for me. Um, I have taught this class in, in multiple countries and, and multiple times. And plenty of those attendees have come back to me months down the road, years down the road and said, like, this has made such a positive impact on my, my bottom line, my, my bottom dollar or pound or euro or whatever it is. Um, so I think it can be really beneficial. I think that the two halves of the, the seminar, the webinar, can be really beneficial to piercers across all skill levels, all backgrounds, studio structures, uh, regions. I, I, I think it can be really beneficial for people. I concur. Well, good, because you're teaching the class with me. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in the class, you have plenty of time to sign up for it. It's not going to be until Sunday, February 5th, 2023. Uh, but if you would like to get information, if you would like to just get signed up early, um, there are a bunch of different places that will have the registration form. So the easiest thing to do is just go to my website, ryanpba.com. But again, you can also go to the Body Art Education by Ryan Willett Facebook page. There'll be an event page up there, and that will have all the registration information. Um, I'll be posting it on, on Patreon for any of my supporters. I'm sure Lola will be posting it across uh, you know your social media too. 
Uh, and if you have questions about it, just email us. You can email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. And where would you want people emailing you? At ryanpba at gmail.com. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> well, um, that's probably going to wrap it up for me for 2022. Is there anything else you want to talk about for this, like, year that sure did happen? It was a year. And it it sure was the did most happen. year it, currently. It was the only 2022 we have had. Yeah. Um, I would like to say thank you to anybody that came to watch me instruct this past year. Um, I, I got to do some in-person teaching, um, some in-person solo teaching, which I haven't done in three years, pre pre-pandemic, I think. Um, I wanted to say a special thank you to Kat and to David for both coming out and being guests at my studio to allow me to be able to travel and do those things. Ooh, can I thank Zach Boyer real quick? You can. Thank you to Zach Boyer for the same reason. Zach came and covered my studio so that I had the flexibility to bring Evan Quino with me to the BMXNet conference in Germany. So thank you very much, uh, Zach Attack. I really appreciate that. We need guest piercers. Yeah, we do. The world needs get good guest piercers. The world needs good guest piercers, but the world also needs experienced body piercers to mentor the next generation, too. Speaking of, um, I also returned to mentoring in 2022. Cue ominous music. Dun, dun, dun. Um, no, I took on an apprentice. Um, my counterperson, Jordan, has started apprenticing with me um, back in October. Um when I initially took him on as a counter person, we kind of talked about it and, you know, I said, why don't you work the desk for a year and see if you, see if you're enjoying it, see if you can stand me, um, you know, and if you, if you enjoy the work, because I don't think people really appreciate how much work goes into the counter and how it's a massive portion of what body piercers do every day. And that if you can't do that, you know, it's you really can't progress into doing other things. Um, so uh, he did a year on the counter, really enjoyed it, um, and now has a really solid foundation for us to kind of springboard into an apprenticeship with all of this knowledge about jewelry sizing and design and appropriate choices for fresh piercings and healed piercings, which I think he, he's done an amazing job of learning in that time. Um, and I think having an apprentice, I've had an apprentice before, um, and that experience was, was a little different from this one, because in my previous experience, I wasn't the owner of the studio, and now I am. That does change the dynamic, and it does make it more complicated, so, um, and, it, and it immediately puts you back in that situation of questioning yourself and questioning everything that you're doing. And, and being under more scrutiny. You're never under more scrutiny than when you have an apprentice, which I think is one of the best things about it because it keeps you sharp. But um, I just want to say thank you to Jordan for his grace in letting me find my path back on that journey being a mentor, which has a lot of its own challenges and isn't always as easy as it looks. Um, so hopefully we can keep on learning things together um, and we can can get somewhere positive out of it i mean jordan impressed me for sure you know like when we have little conversations when i'm hanging around the shop uh he, he knows his stuff i mean obviously everybody has more capacity for for learning you know never stop learning continue growing etc etc cliche cliche but 
Jordan really knows his stuff. I've been, so. I've been, te- I've been doing well, teaching. Well, good. I am praising you both. And, well, it's, you're mainly praising him, though, I feel uh, like. Okay, but also I'd like to thank Lola Slider <laughs> for doing such a good job of training Jordan. No, I think spending that year as a counterperson was just really invaluable. Like, I, I don't think I could just go back to starting an apprentice on day one with no other information of any kind. I would not even consider it. Like, um, I get I get contacts all the time. And, like, quick spoiler alert, uh, a lot of the questions that came in on that Google form were related to training, apprenticeships, all this other stuff. And I, I think we have enough material where we can probably do a whole episode just just talking about that issue. So look yeah. for that in, like, early 2023. But, uh, yeah, like, people need to know how the shop runs. People need to know what a body piercer does all day, and it's not just piercing people. So, yeah, it is really important to gain that experience on the counter before you are kind of, like, pushed up the la- the ladder or, you know, climb that ladder yourself. It really helps to know what the job is before you start learning the job. I have to say as well, like, just from my perspective, I can't imagine that any apprenticeship is the same purely based on the fact that the last apprenticeship that I did, I considered to be pretty successful and produced a competent piercer. This time round, everything feels different. I'm reevaluating everything. I'm making all new mistakes on top of the old ones. And if, if in the future I ever have another apprentice, which I don't know that I ever will, um, I'm sure that'll be different because I'll, I'll find whole new ways to, to mess up with that. So, um, you know, just enjoy the experience, I guess. Yeah. I just want to say thank you to all your hard work to Lily and Evan at the shop. After what happened through the pandemic and just like the natural changes that happened in the shop, transitioning away from tattooing into piercing only, with what happened earlier this year with, um, you know, losing part of our, our team, uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't keep going. I think I might have... I think I might have given up on my shop, which is weird to say out loud, especially after this long, but I think I might have given up on it if I didn't have Evan and Lily keeping me going with their energy and their enthusiasm and, and, and their passion and, and everything. So thank you so much to uh, to you two. You know, it different shops, you know, might have like 20 employees, but, you know, even if it's just you and one other person, uh, really take care of each other in the, in the new year and... and Thank people that you're thankful for in your life. Uh, it's it's important for people to, to get that recognition and to feel feel appreciated. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you. Well, good. I'm amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's it. So uh, hopefully you all had a decent 2022. Hopefully you will all have an even better 2023. We will see you on the flip side of the new year. Uh, Stay sharp, everybody. Peace. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.